What's up, everybody? Jason with Founders BR. Super excited to share today's episode. I sit down with Jacob Jolibois. Honestly, it would take me probably 30 minutes just to list the amount of things that Jacob's done, whether it's working for Mesh, starting a podcast, being successful with other organizations, writing books. But he's recently started and co-founded Block, which is a really great tech startup that's doing pretty amazing things here in the Baton Rouge area. That's been nationally recognized and is just a really amazing guy. So I'm excited to share with you. Hope you enjoyed today's content. And uh, without further ado, check it out. Welcome back, everybody. This is uh, Jason with Founders BR, and I am super excited about today's guest. I have Jacob Jolibois with Block here with me and a longtime friend and a guy I have a lot of respect for. Welcome. Hey, thank you so much, Jason. I appreciate it. Man, it is my pleasure, dude. Super excited to have you here. I can tell you, as we were kind of talking earlier, I am a um, somewhat of a nerd of like watching what Jacob Jacob does. Like whether you're writing books, man, or you're starting businesses, what you've done in the past and everything. Just see a very bright mind, man. I'm super, appreciate super proud that. of it, all, all you're doing here. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, so for those who don't know, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and about your about your business. Yeah. So my name is Jacob Jolbois. Uh, I have a history of a few different things in my past that we can dive into later. But right now, I am focused on building and developing block lawn care. Now, lawn care sounds like a really boring business uh, from the sense of it's not uh, smooth and sexy like uh, artificial intelligence or, or I cryptocurrency. Think, I think right? lawn care is sexy, but man. <laughs> let me tell you something. What we're doing is really, really cool, and I'm excited about it. We are building an on-demand lawn care app to make it the simplest way for people to get lawn care service. We're unapologetically sticking to lawn care basics, so mowing, edging, weeding, and blowing. We're not getting into uh, fertilization or tree trimming or anything like that just yet. And the reason is simple. There's this huge void in lawn care basics of these companies that are more well-established moving out into higher margin services. And as a result, the lawn care basics are getting filled by uh, the neighbor kid down the block, somebody's son, or these solo operators. And unfortunately for the solo operators, a lot of these guys are, they've got the work ethic down. They know how to hustle and they are really good at what they do. And what they don't want to do is run the business. They didn't get in this to be some kind of uh, mogul, typically speaking. Mm -hmm. Obviously there's exceptions, but Mm -hmm. for a lot of these folks, they want to make a living doing what they love, doing what they're good at. Mm -hmm. And those are the people that we want to empower. So. The way we're breaking it down is for the user, they've got an app where they get full control over their lawn care experience. They can select a la carte services so they don't have to lock themselves into full service. Mm-hmm. They can choose the backstop date for their, for their service to be done by, and they can map their own property to make sure that their pricing is fair and includes everything they want mode mm-hmm. and does not include the the pieces of their property that they may not want serviced if Mm -hmm. they don't want to pay for their whole yard to get serviced. Mm -hmm. Call me crazy, but people love their control and (laughs) we want to give it to them. Mm -hmm. For the mower side of things, we are offering them an opportunity to not have to bear the burden of running a business. Mm -hmm. These folks go home after a long, hot, hard day of work and they still have to do the books. They still have to deal with customer service claims you know, getting the the window guy to go out and repair a broken window. They Mm -hmm. still have to figure out marketing efforts to get new clients. Mm -hmm. All of this stuff that that takes time away from their family, away from the things they want and love to do. 
and they're not getting paid a cent for it, right? These are, are pieces of the business that are overhead for them, and mm-hmm. they don't get paid for it. Right. So we want to take that burden off of them and let them run hard after the things that's putting money in their pocket mm-hmm. and allow them to rescue their time and earn more money. Makes sense. That's the um, You know, it's interesting you share that. You know, there's a few things I take away from that. One of the things is empowering those who are already out doing the work and giving them a way to focus on what they are good at. Like that's what they got into business doing and exactly. freeing up their time to do, yeah. to focus on what makes them special. You know, but what's interesting is that share with everybody here, cause I, I know this story, but I think it's really, really unique. Tell me how you, how this business was started in general. Like why you identified that and that went like share, share that story. Cause it's really, really, sure. it's interesting. So the, the, genesis of this business doesn't actually start with me. It starts with my co-founder, Matthew. Matthew and his wife uh, and his two daughters moved to inner city Baton Rouge in order to serve, build relationships, and do what they can for the people in that area. And when they got there, he decided one day he wanted to to mow a vacant lot next to his house. So he went out and, and got some lawn equipment. And while he was out mowing this vacant lot, he was like, shoot, I'm going to mow the rest of the lot. So he just yeah. started cruising through and, yeah. and most of the lots on his block are are vacant. Yeah. So he just started mowing them. And while he was doing that, one of his neighbors came out and started picking up trash. He was like, this is amazing. Why is it that when people start doing good for their community, other people are inspired to help? Yeah. How can we take this one little anecdote and extrapolate it across communities across America mm-hmm. and make an actual impact. So he had this idea to create an on-demand lawn care business. Mm-hmm. 1% of revenues would go toward cleaning up blighted and overgrown lots in order to bring dignity and value back to the communities that we operate in. Mm-hmm. So a few weeks prior to him coming up with this idea, we had been talking about, uh, so we go to church together and mm-hmm. had known each other for a few years. And yeah. so we had been kind of, talking about business and, and different ideas and everything. And so he had this going on in his mind and he texted me and said, Hey man, I got a, I got an idea and it's partially your fault. <laughs> he said, <laughs> so we, we met up at uh, whole foods and just chatted about it. And I said, man, I love the idea of on demand lawn care. It feels like it needs to happen. Yeah. And that's just my gut reaction. I don't know anything about lawn care, but yeah. it feels like it should be there. Yeah. But what's really driving me is there's a direct correlation of cleaning up blighted and overgrown lots and property value. Mm-hmm. I see that. There's actually studies on it. Have you heard of the, the broken window idea? So like one broken window can oh, I have, have heard a of this concept. Of, yeah. trickle effect that right. would bring down the value of a whole community. So right. if left unattended. Yep. So all of this kind of started firing in my brain and I said, okay, we have to make this happen. Mm-hmm. Fast forward about six months, both of us, were still over full-time jobs yeah. and we had just been brainstorming on the side. Yeah. And finally he texted me one day and said, man, I think it's time to pull the trigger. Are you willing to quit your job for this? Wow. To give you context, I worked at Mesh. Yeah. You know, some of the folks over there, Yeah. it is an amazing company. Mm-hmm. It's a marketing agency here in Baton Rouge for mm-hmm. those of you that don't know. And in my opinion, it's the best one it's the best one in the city by a long mm-hmm. shot. Mm-hmm. The, the creativity coming out of that shop is off the charts and the, the people there are stellar. Yeah. So my boss was amazing. I had wonderful coworkers. Yeah. I loved what I did. Yeah. And uh, I was like, dude, you're asking me to leave a really good job. So how do you do that? For an idea yeah. that has no feet 
right, right now. Sure. But I told him I would think about it. Yeah. So, oh, oh, and about a month prior, I had just got married. <laughs> so I was like, Stellar. This is a great time to quit my job. Perfect timing. Um, but I, so I, I kind of laid all this out for my wife and yeah. I said, look, this is what we're dealing with. It's a good idea. I think it can work. Um, is this a worthwhile move? And mm-hmm. she said, look, you're going to, you're going to regret if this business explodes and you're not a part of it, mm. or if this business fails and you didn't try to revive it and, and right. take it to its heights. Right. And I was like, dang, you're right. I would. So maybe I do need to pursue this. Yeah. And I told Matt, I said, all right, I'm going to do it, but give me a couple months because I need to help wind things down a mesh and get some of my workload offloaded. Mm-hmm. So that was in like October-ish, uh, January 14th. Matt and I quit our full-time jobs, went all in on block, and we've been running hard ever since. It's incredible, man. So you, October, it's like pull the trigger. You just got married. Yeah. You've got a great gig at Mesh. Yep. Three months later, you pull the trigger and you and you you go on this gamble. Yes. What's amazing is what you said earlier. I want to back up into this. Your wife was a major part of that. Oh, yeah. Sounds like. Oh, yeah. If she hadn't signed off on it, I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. yeah. You know, it was interesting. I was I, I, having this conversation today, and someone said, we were having conversations back and forth, and someone said, what's the best business advice? Because we were having it, I was like, oh, I'm getting given a lot. And I said, the best business advice he was ever given was that the number one business partner you have in your life is your spouse. How true. And every, I think everybody in the room was like, Yes. Wow, <laughs> For those who yes, have a spouse. Yes. Yes. It can Absolutely. make or break it. I totally. think it, it's interesting in having conversations with those who've taken, you know, that's a gamble. Yeah. Uh, and I have massive respect for you in doing that, giving up something for something that could be. And a lot of times it, I find it comes down to the spouse. If your spouse is like, oh, no, you you got a good gig at Mesh. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. It makes it difficult Absolutely. for that to happen. Absolutely. That's amazing. So you make the change. This is January of 18. No. Yep. When are we at? Uh, 19. January, January of 19. Yeah, okay. earlier this year. Gotcha. So you make the leap. Tell me about, so you've got it day one, Okay. Mesh is gone. I'm in it now. (laughs) What's the mentality? Like, where's your headspace? And what does Jacob do on day one? Yeah, so I'll give a little, I'll show my cards here a little bit. When I came in on day one, I didn't know what I didn't know. Sure. So in my head, if I had known everything that I know now, I would have been drowning. Right. I just right. would have been way in over my head and said, right. we can't do this. Yeah. But thankfully, I had that ignorance is bliss a little bit, that unquenchable optimism that yeah. a lot of people have when they start new businesses. Quick question for you on that. Yeah. Do you think not knowing was a benefit? Absolutely. Interesting. In a weird way, absolutely. Yeah, not knowing like literally the, the how big of the mountain actually is like because right. it's shrouded in clouds. Right. You're like, I can climb to there. <laughs> as long, now, now, if I went and did this again, yeah. knowing would be an advantage, but that's because I know how to do it now. Right. But, I place my foot here and I grab exactly. there and it's not going to take as hard as it looks because yes. I now know the route. Exactly. But if I mm. knew the overwhelming amount of question marks right. and not how to get there, yeah. It would it would crush me. Yeah. Right. And I think this is true of any entrepreneur. They don't know what they can handle until they actually get into the weeds, mm-hmm. do it, realize it's not as bad as they thought, 
And now the next time it comes around, it's it's a lot easier. Right. So day one, Matthew and I both knew we had to hit the ground running. Yeah. So that was January 14th. Mowing season in Louisiana starts basically March. Yep. It's still a little cool early March, but right. you're, you're pushing mid to late March and, and the grass is growing. So Side note on this. Yes. Is that... Is that what made you pull the trigger? Was it because like, hey, we're about to head into the season and let's take advantage of it? Surprisingly, no. Interesting, okay. Necess- not necessarily. Yeah. Um, I probably should have pulled the trigger faster. Yeah. If we would have worked in December, we probably could have gotten out ahead of the mowing season a little more, which mm. would have been helpful. But hindsight, 2020. Right, right. That whatever. goes back to the question yeah. marks, right. We're just move, moving Got forward as, as we can. Yeah. Um, so we office out of Tech Park. Okay. That ended up, being a seamless transition, yep. we got in here, and I'm telling you, hitting the ground running is an understatement. We haven't, we've had like two slow days mm-hmm. since the beginning, <laughs> and those were just because we were waiting on a few things to right. unfold. Wow. I mean, every day you just learn something new and push yourself to execute on something that is out of your comfort zone. Right. Um, so, with two people, you're covering a lot of bases, wearing a lot of hats. My background, you know, I've got some management experience from Mesh, uh, product design, photography, creative direction. Like right. I kind of got the the art side and the tech side down on on one hand, and I've got a little bit of business experience, a couple degrees in business, and yeah. background starting a, a couple companies. But we're talking a startup company that is planning to go 10x in the right. first two or three years, right? Right. I don't have that kind of experience, right? So everything was. Take a step, research. Am I doing this right? Am I on the right trajectory? Take right. another step and and iterate as you go. So I think the first plan from day one was build a brand and build a business model. Once you have those two things, you can just start plugging in the pieces mm-hmm. more or less. Gotcha. So build a brand, business, business model. So when when was the launch? When was the app live? We got it launched April twenty second. April twenty second. Yeah. And what happened? So we launched with a controlled beta in okay. Baton Rouge. Okay. We selected, so we have the ability to geofence where we want the app to go live in. Got it. So we, we launched in two neighborhoods, Garden District and South Downs. Gotcha. We said, if anyone's going to use this thing, it's yeah. this demographic of people. Yep. They already have lawnmowers right. uh, or, or lawn guys cutting right. their grass. So right. the chances are decent that we'll right. get some traction. Right. So that control beta has grown from zero to about 175 paying customers. Okay. We haven't let it go beyond that just yeah. yet. Gotcha. We're, we're planning on scaling into new markets next spring. Gotcha. So the scaling part is coming. So we you got you model. got your targeted customers. We got them. We got them. Okay. And and they were paying. So right. what, this wasn't any sort of, you know, hey, just try out the app and give us feedback. Yeah. It was, hey. Give us money, we'll mow your grass. Right, it's a legit. Try us out for thirty days, and yeah. so you were at you. Boom, you launch capacity. Yep, that's awesome. So okay, it, yeah, it was great. We we had some amazing early feedback. Mm-hmm. Our app surged to number one in the app store for on demand lawn care. Awesome. Uh, we got uh, we got a list alongside all of our biggest competitors in the industry's largest publications. Mm-hmm. In fact, we got the title page of it, which I, honestly I think. 
ticked off a, a few of our competitors. <laughs> um, we ended up getting recognized as one of the top 100 startups of the year. Wow. All these things started happening. We got a lot of press and sure. it was just really, really fun. Yeah. And at that point, it's easy to feel like you're on cloud nine. Yeah. Everything's going right. Right. There's sunshine, yeah. rainbows. Yeah. And then you realize, oh, snap. There's so much more to do. I'm running a business. I'm running a business. <laughs> like a growing big exactly. business. And if you're if you're planning on raising money, mm-hmm. investors are asking questions that you've never asked or even thought of. Right. They're asking questions like, so how are you going to return my money tenfold? Right. They're asking, where are you going to be a year from now? And you yeah. better not say 10% better. Right. It better be... Yeah, two hundred x right. Yeah, <laughs> like, how are you scaling? Yeah. How are you doing all that? You need to you need to have a plan for growth, and yeah. so that is where, while we got the operation side smooth, mm-hmm. once that was kind of running on its own, mm-hmm. our attention shifted from mowing grass and dealing with customer support to how do we grow this thing? Mm-hmm. How do we take a small operation and turn it into a multi city operation across mm-hmm. the Gulf South? So it's interesting you say that, you know, I've t- in talking with a lot of folks, what I find a lot of folks say, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, you've already got part, part of like a big hurdle one, which is like, I've got customers. Right. Not only do you have customers, you have customers in line. Yeah. I'm one of those folks. I'm waiting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot wait. Seriously. Um, I have like my long guy. I'm sure we'll be on it and like, it's going to be great. Um, so it's, it's very cool. For those that don't have, download it, block. It's awesome. Uh, side note. But I will say you got past the hard part, which is a lot of, especially new startups. And I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, y'all are somewhat pioneering this. Is this is this well established or is this somewhat, y'all are kind of paving the way to this type of service? To some degree. So there is a line to be drawn. Mm-hmm. If you lumped us into the world of lawn care apps, mm-hmm. you're not the only one. There, there are a handful that are uh, a couple of years ahead of us. Okay. And they are, are doing really well. Mm-hmm. But here, and here's that line. Yeah. What they're doing is effectively acting as a broker Mm -hmm. where they are pairing existing lawn care companies with existing customers. Got it. Which is great. That needs to happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is a step forward in the right direction from Mm -hmm. the traditional, you know, ask your neighbor who they use, call them, hope that they answer, get locked into a contract. A contract or, you know, slip cash and check. Is that like similar to, let's say I'm looking for lawn service. I go on and they say, here are four different, you know, lawn care service providers in your area. And then they can pair me up and I can use the app to do that. Is that right? right understanding? So you you submit your job. Right. And these guys will bid on it. You select the one that you want. And then from there, it operates just like a normal lawn care operation. Right. Right. Um, Unfortunately, the whole industry is broken. Business tools are broken. Mm-hmm. Everything is inefficient. There mm-hmm. is no good centralized way for lawn care operations to work mm-hmm. that is both beneficial for the mower and the consumer. Right. And that is where we stand out from right. pack a little bit. Right. So one thing that we like to say is we're giving control to the users. Mm-hmm. We're giving the efficiencies to the mowers mm-hmm. so that everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. And hopefully over the long haul, we will be able to provide ongoing benefits and exponentially better benefits as right. we have economies of scale working for us, right? Yep. As we grow and we are able to trim those margins. And yep. Yep. So we're looking not just to be competitive, but to make this thing 
dead simple right um and it's the best option on the market that's awesome yeah. and it's also my understanding and what's what maybe would separate y'all as well and again correct me if i'm wrong the other service parties, which is again third party and third party. I'm looking for lawn care service. I use Setapp to connect me to another lawn care provider. When I use Block, I'm I'm getting a Block employee. That's correct. So that's one of the big differences. Sure. None of our competitors and very few of companies, period, hire W two employees for service based businesses. Mm-hmm. You look at any sort of maid service, transportation app like Uber, or Lyft, sure, food delivery app like DoorDash or Grubhub. Yep. They're all using 1099 contractors. But if you've also been keeping up with the news, you know that 1099 companies that use contractors are under a lot of fire. Absolutely. Uber just got hit really hard with legislation in California saying you now have to classify all your drivers as employees. Mm -hmm. Well, that is a massive expense that they weren't expecting. And suddenly their business model gets completely exploded. Yep. So that, of course, begs the question, well, why are y'all doing W-2s? Mm-hmm. Um, the reason is we are able to control the end-to-end user experience. Uh-huh. Not only are we avoiding situations where you use one of our competitors' apps and Johnny from this strange company that you're not familiar with comes and they're in their backyard and you don't know if they're vetted, you don't know how they've been trained, you don't know anything about them mm-hmm. other than they somehow found your job through the app. Right. 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 What we're trying to do is say, when you book through it, through block, you know that not only have we, they have applied, we have brought them in for an interview. We've run a background check. They've gone through an entire onboarding experience. We've done right. a proficiency check. We've checked their equipment. Mm-hmm. They're covered by our insurance. They go through all of our culture training. These people are the best of the best that are in your backyard. Yep. You can trust them and, we guarantee that you know we can you have the full backing of our company behind them yeah it's not some third party service right now the expenses that come with that are mitigated by the fact that our overhead things like insurance is rated on payroll so if those folks aren't able to make it out to a job and therefore don't actually work then mm-hmm. we don't have to pay insurance on them so it allows us to keep our expenses that are traditionally incurred by W-2s low mm-hmm. um, while still giving the employees the security that they've been fighting for all this time. Mm. It's interesting. You know, it's, I agree with you deeply on that. I think it's interesting because you do see a lot of businesses right now, the sharing economy that we're in yes. has created a lot of great services for us, but has created that level of inconsistency. So you have, because as an organization say, well, I have this third party, and if it didn't work out, I they're no longer. I wipe my hands, and they're, don't right. worry, we took care of it. They're no yep. longer allowed to do it. Yep. But that's still not. That's a reactive approach to exactly. things. Yeah. And so I see why you know you're doing that um, because it's a more proactive approach, right. and you care about what your brand is. Right. But tell me, with the you know, there's advantages and disadvantages. Why was that important to you in the making biggest, that? Absolutely. So the biggest reason was culture. And you just had Landon Snow on the podcast, yeah. so all of your listeners definitely are ingrained in this idea that culture matters, right? Mm. That has been a big piece of our company from the get-go. We have three values, generosity, service, and joy, and those values live in everything that we do. We train all of our employees on them. We actually ask them, how are you showcasing generosity, service, and joy in the job and the work that you're doing That's for our That's awesome. It permeates every piece of this company. You simply can't do that with contractors. 
The second piece of that puzzle is people who are working for a company, for example, Uber, mm-hmm. want the security that comes with a W-2 employee. Mm-hmm. And Uber wants the control that comes with hiring employees. Sure. But they want to classify them as contractors. So what ends up happening is you have two sides that are not aligned Mm -hmm. with the same values. They're fighting against each other inherently. Right. So Uber is going to try to misclassify them and still control them. Mm -hmm. And the drivers are going to try to do a decent job. But obviously, they're not going to get compensated for it. So there's no incentive to do a great job. Right. And so they would rather just say, classify us correctly. And then you can train us or put regulation and control around the way we do our jobs all you want. Right. But that tension has not been managed well. And we're trying to trying to move in that direction. That's interesting. I think it's it doesn't surprise me, just knowing you, Jake, that that was important to you. I do have a, another reason why I have a lot of respect is because you've built that with how you carry yourself and your organization, that we're gonna give that back. And I think it deserves to be recognized because truth be told in today's economy and in business climate, a lot of times it's like, that's great that you wanna do that, but no. (laughs) Um, And you know, so how do you, especially as you scale, how do you make sure that that remains? Yeah, so this this is one of the quintessential like issues with culture, right? How do you, maintain a culture as the company grows. You see this all the time in in Silicon Valley, right? These small startup companies build this thriving little hub. Right. You know, they're all friends, very close knit. And then as things get big and and somewhat out of control, you need people. So you just hire people randomly and and you can't necessarily vet them the way you would like to because you're trying to grow as fast as you can. And you lose suddenly culture is lost. Right. Right. Um, so that is that is why we have our onboarding training day. All of our all of our mowers go through this onboarding day where we bring them into our culture and our values. We meet with them personally. We're not offloading this to someone else. When we do a proficiency check, we're saying, "Hey, if you do it this way, it gives back to the customer, mm-hmm. and that's important for us." When you are messaging with the customer through the app, use this type of language because this shows empathy toward the customer's problem and this allows them to be the hero of the story, not you. These are things that we train them in. We're not just letting that, we're not hoping, crossing our fingers and hoping. We're giving them guidance and, and showing them how we can carry our values into the work that they do. One of the stories we'd like to tell is one of the first applicants, uh, under the reason why, uh, what was it? I think under the field, like the reason why you want to work for Block or something like that in the job application, he said, "You either need me to mow or you don't. It's just grass." And there was it was riddled with misspellings. You know, he spelled you, you, right. not Y O U. Right. Like all these things, and and we read it and we thought, man, I just don't think this is going to work out. We called yeah. the guy and we told him, like, "Hey, listen, I don't think it's going to be a good fit." And that wasn't the only reason, but sure. that was a good, it was a good thing to showcase yep. because his attitude toward lawn maintenance right. was it's just grass. Right. Our attitude is if we can give you the time, rescue the time on the weekend that you would normally be spending with your family, right. give that back to you. Suddenly you're putting your priorities back in line. Right. You don't have to get out and take care of your grass when you should be spending your weekend with your family right. or 
you know, in the case of some single folks, binging Netflix. <laughs> we don't judge. You use right. your time however you want. Right. But our priorities are uh, time first yeah. and then lawn maintenance. Yeah. So if we're able to give that back to the people that we're serving right. um, and doing so in a delightful way where right. it's like a joyous experience interacting yeah. with us, yeah. then we've done our job. I think that's awesome. You know, using the three terms, generosity, service, and joy, I think it's, you know, because I can see both sides of it, right? If you give an opportunity to say, look, we're just going to make it an open platform and we'll have 29, you can just, you can scale it to scrap it rapid rate, but you're going to have exactly what you just said, which is how do I make sure that that stays consistent? And you, you can't, you just become, then you become so rapid. How do you make sure it's consistent? And by having those employees and vetting them out and saying, do you fit with our company culture? That's going to make sure that, that the experience is consistent because right. it, all it takes is one person to have, man, this person came and they cut like, three quarters of my yard right. and they freaking dredged up the side of it because the equipment wasn't in everything. It's just, and all of a sudden your, your brand is tarnished. Yeah. And so I think that's really cool. And I think that's really cool that y'all have built into it, the philanthropic side of it. Yes. I think that's really, really important to emphasize. Tell us about, cause I know I think this is a big moment. We just came up the block parties and I think something big is coming up, right? Am I yes, right understanding that right? Okay. So today, as we record this, this is our one year anniversary of block. Yeah. Uh, the, the business was incorporated on November 1st last year. And it just so happens that tomorrow is our first block party. So for those of you who don't know about block, we do talk about this a good bit because it matters to us is we want to give 1% of our revenue back to cleaning up lighted and overgrown lots. In order to do that, how do we make it fun? Yeah. How do we yeah. infuse joy into our generosity and our service? I right? love it. Tie all it. of our values in. Yep. So we're doing a block party where we're, we're getting all of our mowers, we're paying them well. They're, you know, this isn't, they're not doing this for free. This is our resources that we're giving to them to carry out the work. Mm -hmm. We're saying, look, come here. We're going to pay you really well. We're going to have fun. We're going to converge on this lot and completely transform it. Yeah. It's going to be a place where people can, can all the kids can run and play kickball yeah. where you could potentially plant a community garden. We're actually talking to somebody about putting a community garden on this vacant lot. Wow. Um, it's going to be a place that people can have pride in. And that's the fun part for us is we're not just like, moping around like oh, another Saturday we got to get out and do lawn work right this is going to be so much fun we're getting we're getting food out there and doing like a little little on-site picnic with our guys yeah we're going to be laughing and goofing off you know, I love it playing music it'll, it'll be a fun time that's awesome and I think it goes to with what you said earlier how when Matt went out and started cutting out people's yards people saw it and started helping yeah, yeah. and I think that concept is so cool of hey Absolutely. we're going to have a block party like it's going to be fun and then you, you never know what's going to come. People see it. It creates that buzz of, hey, we can we can make a difference. That's the hope. That's the hope. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, congratulations Thank on you. achieving that major milestone. Um, I feel I feel excited. I'm here. I'm here on it. Like on the day of. It just hey, kind of worked come out. On. So I feel I'm part of, a part of the team. Excited on it, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Really, really cool. Well, I wanna I wanna move into so um, a few final questions, and this is gonna be on something personal, and I hope people can take away from it. So. I know that you're not only are I assume you're a big reader because you're also a writer. You've um, written yeah, some written reader, some books. Yeah. What are one to maybe three books that have greatly influenced your life? Man, I, I read all the time, and so sometimes my books get a little confused in my mind. Yeah, I'm gonna go with a recent one since they're okay. fresher on my mind. Mm -hmm. um, 
If anyone has not read Delivering Happiness by Tony Shea, who's the founder of Zappos, it is the best book I've read on building culture Where? and building joy within your company. So, so I've heard this book, but I haven't read it, but I'm adding it to my list here. It is so good. Delivering Happiness by okay. Tony Shea. I'm going to give three nonfiction and three fiction, if that's okay. I love it. Yeah, let's do yeah. it. So that was the first nonfiction. Okay. Uh, the second would have to be Originals by Adam Grant. This is such a good book. It's all about uh, original thought and building something and creating something that is good for the world. Um, it's truly amazing. I love it. Um, I'm gonna have to throw out. Uh, I'm gonna have to throw out Atomic Habits by James Clear. Um, I think it's a relatively recent book. If I had to guess, okay. I, I think it came out last year, and it is all about building habits. Now, before okay. that turns off anybody, Atomic Habits though. Atomic okay. Habits. So he breaks it down in ways that make it manageable, and it revolutionizes what you think of when you think of building habits. Why yeah. is it important? How do you do it? And how do you make sure that you don't lose them over mm. time? Anyway, give it a give it a read. It's a really easy read. Side note on that one. Amazing. You ever heard of the book, The Power of Habit? Yes. Okay, have you read that one? Yes. Fantastic. What's the difference? Because uh, I know The Power of Habit is one of my favorite, well, I'll say it. I've read like summaries of it and like yeah. just of it, so I haven't fully read it, but just even the bullets that I've taken from it, I, I'm like, I like literally use them in my daily life. That's awesome. So now like the atomic sounds like the next level. Yeah, like yeah. what's like what's the difference? I'm kind of intrigued on that one. <laughs> it's It's been years since I read The Power of Habit. So yeah. I'm kind of going off memory here, but I think Atomic Habits is a more uh, uh, tailored toward life application. Gotcha. With the understanding we're normal people, it's yeah. hard to build habits. Right. Here are some ways to make that easy for you. Mm. It's very conversational. It's yeah. Easy read while at the same time not skimping on content. Got it. It's really, really good. I'm adding that one too. I like it. Okay. Let me hit, hit you with some fiction. Okay. Um, so one of these is actually a journalistic fiction. Okay. Or Let's do it. Journalistic like narrative. Yeah. It's Bad Blood by John Carreyrou. Okay. Carreyrou, I think. Is that All right. His last name? Uh, Bad Blood details the story of Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos, which was like the Silicon Valley uh, scam that everybody okay. knows of a yeah, yeah. few years ago. Yeah. And she was building this this medical device that could uh, treat all of the, or not treat, but diagnose all of these illnesses through mm -hmm. one drop of blood. Mm. It was going to be revolutionary. Tons of high profile people invested mm -hmm. and then it went to crap. They did a Netflix special they on this. They just did a Netflix special. I saw so that. Read Bad Blood. It is the original story of it. Really? And it is so good. So good. All right. I love um, it. A second one is Hatching Twitter. This is another one of those like uh, not guys. hacking Twitter, not hatching. Hatching Twitter. Okay. So this is another one of those journalistic narratives. Okay. It is so good. I just reread it this yeah. year. I read it a few years ago. And it's all about the founding of Twitter back whenever it started as a podcasting company called Odeo. It got transformed, or actually Twitter got spun out of that company. Yeah. How it grew to popularity, all of the uh, CEO changes. So I don't know yeah. if you're familiar with it or kept up with it as right. it's happening, but there was like uh, three or four different CEOs in the span of a few years. Right. They struggled to kind of land that yeah, for a while. Yeah. Amazing book. And then the last one, I'm going to say 
This one is a true fiction book. It's called Dark Matter by Blake Crouch. I think I've heard of that one. It is phenomenal. If you love science fiction, this will blow your mind. He's a fantastic writer, and there's some great, great plot twists. I love it. Okay. I think I think those would be my books. That is a legit list. Side note, I don't want to take us in the wrong direction, but I do have to ask. Uh, the journalistic... Is that fiction, though? Journalistic narrative. Journalistic yeah, it's narrative. Not it's not fiction because, yeah, yeah, based on truth. I was going to go the fiction route, and then I changed my mind. I like it. Narrative. Journalistic narrative. Uh, really cool. I love I love this answer, so I'm going to go more in this direction. Is that, is that fair enough? Yes, please. Okay, I love please. this. Okay. What is uh, what is Jacob's superpower that has allowed you to be successful? What's your, what's your superpower, man, that separates you? Uh, I would probably boil this down to curiosity. If I had to, like pinpoint it i can definitely see that i love diving in diving down the rabbit hole deep into something mm. uh if i'm curious about it and right now obviously i'm i'm you know knee deep in product design yeah. and trying to build a beautiful a beautiful app that is yeah. fun to use yeah um that's kind of been my research recently but a, a few little things i've i've dove in down the rabbit hole on in the past include biotechnology space exploration i mean if i find something and i get like i get hooked on it i will just right. go deep read all the books read all the blogs watch the ted talks i mean never stop learning yeah, always be curious always. and the way that's played out is i wanted to write a book mm -hmm. and i thought well i guess i'll just die down the rabbit hole of writing a book so i would learn about structure and i'd learn about mm. writing styles and i learned about outlining and how to translate that into uh, chapters and, and sections of a book, how to put together a book in order to send it to get published. And what does that look like? Yeah. So I did that. And wow. I was like, well, now it's time to start a, a blog. So I wrote three blog posts a week for a year and then two blog posts a week for another two years. Finally shut that down a couple of years ago. And I've got 350 something articles on this blog. That was an experience. Around what? Uh, creativity and simplicity, Jeez. which was like my life. Yeah. Uh, so it was all the, just all the learnings from my life and Golly. learning how to, uh, have a cadence yeah. where people regularly expect you to put out content that was quality right. was a difficult hurdle to overcome, mm. but it was so much fun once you got into the groove of things because you realize all of the little lessons through life that you're learning, mm -hmm. but you, your subconscious learns it and you don't actually pay attention to it. Got it. Whereas if you have to write an article two days from now, right. you're paying attention to every little thing that Interesting. you learn. Interesting. Do you find that you have higher retention from it? Like Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Every little thing that I learned, I can extrapolate out, put into a linear thought yeah. that I can typically put down on paper. That's a takeaway um, for me. So I'd say yeah. for anybody listening, you want to retain, you want to retain better write your thoughts right. down. And it could even be as simple as journaling. I never mm. was a journaler. I tried it uh, several different times and, and I would always have a good strong start and then it would fizzle out. Right. And I wondered, I wonder now in retrospect that that was due to, there was nobody checking me on it. Right. right? There was right. no expectation that I would actually follow through. Right. Whereas with a blog, I had uh, a little over 2000 regular readers yeah. and they expected me to put out content. Yeah. If I didn't, well, I never right. did, but I would assume that yeah, they would go somewhere else. That they would go somewhere else, or that they would be frustrated or something. Yeah, yeah, say, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, where's my content? Where's my man? Content? It's Friday morning. Exactly. <laughs> so that was hard. Then I, I I pivoted into podcasting and released a podcast once a week for yep. two years with yep. LPR and did a lot of interviewing. So 
Yeah, I would have to say curiosity. That's awesome. Okay, I love it. I've already that was a big takeaway. That's already takeaway for me because I I feel like every now and then when I do I, I like to write, but I don't always do it. And then I find myself like, what was it that I read? And that was really good. But whenever I find myself writing or 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 trying to transfer it, however, talking to someone else, or whatever, that knowledge that knowledge retention just spikes. Mm, yeah, and that's a good takeaway. I will say one of the best things that has helped me build frameworks in my mind mm-hmm. of different pieces of of knowledge or, or ideas is writing frameworks. Mm-hmm. So this makes sense, right? If you're writing a blog post about an idea, having a framework that you just plug in uh, information to mm-hmm. allows you to then see it on paper and say, ah, now I have a flow in my mind of how this is um, to be verbalized. Right. So one of the best ones is called the TRIAC method, T-R-I-A-C. Mm-hmm. T is for topic, Mm -hmm. R is for refinement, so you refine your topic down to a core thesis, Mm -hmm. I is illustration, Mm -hmm. A is application, and C is conclusion. Mm -hmm. And if you can plug your idea into those five five letters, typically you have a good story that you can tell around that idea. Interesting. Yeah. That's amazing. We could go into biotechnology and space exploration, but that'd be a pod- <laughs> podcast for another Different day. Podcasts, yep. Different podcast, man. That, that is uh, super awesome. Okay, so final final questions. These are fun questions, just goofy, silly ones. But yeah, I, I ask everybody here. Great. Um, all right, what purchase? And I'll give you some time to think about this one. But I what purchase it. of a hundred dollars or less has most positively impacted your life in the last six I love months? It. This is a Tim Ferriss question. Yeah, yeah, I got it straight from it. Oh, this is so good. Let's see. We may have to circle back around to this. All right, one. we'll come back to this. One. <laughs> we'll let that one stew, and we'll come back. All right, what's your walking to the plate song, coming to bat song? Oh, <laughs> yes. Okay, I got this. Hold on, let me pull up my Spotify. Yeah, you got to hear it. Yeah, mine is. Uh, I'll show you while you're while you're pulling up yours. Yeah, yeah, mine yeah. is. Uh, I don't even know what it's called. This one that goes boom. Here comes the boom. Ready uh, or not, yes. that gets me fired up. Yes. I don't matter where we're at. I'm gonna be fired up on that one. I love it. I love <laughs> it. Okay, so here's what I've been jamming to right uh, recently. All right, one's a pop song. One's kind of a, a rapish song. Yeah. So memories by Maroon Five. Okay. Gets me hyped and yep. get, gets me in the zone for the day. And yep. then <laughs> it's just funny because it's not really that like rocking of a song, but yeah. I, like it gets me focused. Yeah. And then the one that I've been jamming to is Hot Shower by Chance the Rapper. Oh, yeah. Been, it's just like, <laughs> I don't even know what it means. It's a dumb song, but like, it gets Look, me. Look, it gets you, gets it gets you ready, man, ready going. to go. Yeah. I like it. All right, so Memories and Hot Shower. All right, cool. Shout outs to those songs. That's good. All right. <laughs> so um, where's the best place to get a cup of joe in Baton Rouge? Yeah. Best yeah. business lunch, favorite dinner spot? Great. Okay. Best cup of joe. Um, I'm partial to French Truck. Mm. Primarily because it's close, and um, but honestly, I, I think it's it's one of the best cups in town. Yep. Especially if you get the New Orleans iced coffee. Ooh, oh, so yeah. good. Okay, and it's a list. Uh, best business lunch. I am a massive fan of City Pork. Yeah. Uh, really, good any call. of them, but the one on Jefferson specifically. Yeah. If you get the Big Pig or uh, their um, Cuban is. Oh, their Cuban is so good. Maybe the best Cuban I've ever had. I would and not, I'm Spanish. I've had some good I would Cubans. not disagree with you. Um, yeah, City Port is definitely a great lunch spot. Love it. And correct date answer. spot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good <laughs> that, job. No, there's, sometimes I'm like, there's a correct answer. Right, right, right. It's a subjective question. <laughs> yeah. <but laughs> no, okay. Um, I love it. So best dinner spot is out of us? Yeah. All best right. Best dinner spot. Oh, uh, man. Okay, if I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to split this up casual and formal. Mm-hmm. Formal-ish. 
For casual, I am a huge fan of like Red Zeppelin's. Just go get a slice of pizza. Mm -hmm. They have a pizza called the Mothership that is just meat. And it is. So, <laughs> oh, it's just meat. It is so good. It's not even bread or sauce. It's just a pile of meat. We're just going to call it a yeah, pizza. We're just going to call it a pizza. Um, it's in a circle. Uh, so, yeah, the mothership is good. I think uh, it's got like peppers and stuff. Yeah, on yeah, yeah. But it's got other stuff. Yeah, but yeah. it is so good. That's awesome. And then for a, like a formal dinner spot, I'd probably say something like uh, the Overpass Merchant. Mm. And that's, I don't know if you'd call that formal or not, but they have like some really amazing Shout out dishes. To Nick Huff. Absolutely, Nick, my boy. Yeah. That's oh, awesome. oh, get their Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts. The Overpass Merchant. Done so, deal. Yeah. Yep. All right, I haven't tried that. I've tried many, many things from Overpass Merchant. Very, very good spot. Absolutely. I love it. All right, I'm gonna give you one more. What is an unusual habit or absurd thing that you love? Unusual habit or absurd thing that you love? It's a tough one. I don't even know if I could answer that one, but I get some interesting answers. Oh man, <laughs> yes. Okay, I love brewing a cup of tea, uh huh, taking it into the shower with me, <laughs> and turning out the lights. And this did, yeah, you definitely got a weird one. Staying in the shower, <laughs> staying in the shower with the lights off, let the water run over you. You have your cup of tea there, sip on it a little bit, and just decompress. You will have the best thoughts in your life. I'm talking like you will solve business no, problems. I'm thinking about that. That sounds lovely. Like, <laughs> it, is it is truly amazing. Um, <sighs> I've had so many. I couldn't tell you how many good ideas I've had staying in the shower. In the dark. Drinking tea. Hey, everybody listening, don't miss up the order. You can't go take a shower in the dark. That's or right. don't take a shower with drinking tea in the light. There's a very specific <laughs> exactly. three ingredients you needed here. You have all three. You gotta be in the shower. You, have you to gotta have, have some tea, but it's gotta be dark. <laughs> That's it. That's it. I love it, Jacob. Um, I'm adding that to the list too. I may try that. I'm gonna solve the world's problems. Awesome. Um, all right, final okay. question. Coming back to it, $100. Yeah. I'm gonna have to say uh, candles. Okay. And this kind of goes <laughs> on a similar track as the in the shower. The too. shower and okay. the tea. <laughs> um, I don't take it in the shower, but candles that have a really good scent to them uh -huh. that can transport you into a certain state of mind. Mm -hmm. So, like, I always have this fall candle that when I smell it, I like instantly forget about work and just relax. Mm -hmm. And so, there's a lot of you know research around scent therapy or aromatherapy, that sort of thing. Yeah. Certain scents will trigger a certain state. So if you're getting ready for bedtime or whatever the case. So we, anyway, my wife and I love candles. So we have a candle that we burn every night and it always decompresses me and gets me into the state of like winding Whoa. down, time for bed. Yeah. Forget about work. It's a trigger. Put it away. Exactly. Yeah. I love it. And Good they're one. cheap. They're like 20 bucks. I love it. Okay. You got it. So check candles and tea for your dark shower. That's it. Done deal. <laughs> Um, I sound like an idiot now. No, I, I love it. Every an There's no answer that you don't sound like an idiot. Great. Like my answers would be like an idiot. It's perfect. just, that's perfect. So um, I love that. Fantastic stuff. Uh, Jacob, thank you so much for coming on. If, for anybody who's listening, how can we learn more about Block? How can we get in touch with you? Share, share some, some, some info. Uh, the simplest way is go to jacobjillabot.com and there'll be links to everything there. So jacobjulieball.com yep. awesome thanks again appreciate your time it's this been a was, blast this is really fun dude <laughs> we'll have to do it again right? absolutely I love it Jason Thank cheers you. thanks again everyone for listening hope you enjoyed the content as much as we did making it again don't forget to like give us a little comment subscribe we appreciate it and uh, hope you have a great one thanks again thanks again